0: I'm just challenged to talk to us this morning about living life with a clear conscience. I've just been troubled by things that I see in my life and I see in your lives. And I'm trusting God that we will find a way out of indifference. Amen. Amen. So here's my observation as a point of departure that in our current state of affairs around the world, now despite the fact that this has been happening for many years, it has now become more and more vivid. And that is to say, the world in many parts deny Jesus. You know that. And it's not... A strange thing. It's not. A phenomenon that we should be. Surprised by. Because Jesus. The Bible calls him the mystery of God. The simplicity of who Jesus is. And what he intends to achieve. Baffles people who want. Signs and wonders to prove who he is. They've always questioned him. In what power are you doing these things? They've always identified him with his human pedigree. Are you not the son of Joseph? They have observed from a distance that this man we know him, he's not schooled according to them. Where does he get all this wisdom? So Jesus is wildly and mostly denied by the world. But what is more telling and more painful is that Jesus is wildly and mostly doubted by believers. It is not an indictment on the world for them to deny Jesus. It is an indictment and a shame on the church to doubt him. Because each time he has sought to ensure that people know him and they understand him so that they can believe him. He had asked the blind man, do you believe in the son of man? I don't know him. If I knew him, I would believe in him. He had asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Regardless of who does the world say I am. Is there a level of revelation. A level of relationship that authenticates me to you as your Lord and your Savior. Is Jesus worth our trust? Is Jesus worth the the consideration of our, our ultimate help? Is he worth it? Is he worth any sacrifice? And so, this morning I just want us to look at what Paul testifies about himself in relation to his serving the Lord. So, I want us to start from the book of Second Timothy. I want to talk about living life with a clear conscience as a child of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 I'm reading from verse 1 it says Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God Paul continues to attest all the time that God who for you before I was formed in my mother's womb at the appointed time he called me and designated me and released me into the heralding of the gospel of peace he says I am an apostle by the will of God. I have not served, started serving God through personal ambition. Through the desire to start a church and make money. I, have, I don't have a wicked witchcraft spirit of manipulation. Where my desire is to achieve my ends through using other people as means. Paul says, I am not here to meddle with the gospel for financial gain. But I am here by the will of God. Therefore, I do not owe my being here from your commendation or your voting. Paul says, you did not vote for me to be an apostle. And sometimes every child of God has to come to that place where you know that I am unapologetically here by the will of God and for him and him alone. Because we worry a lot about what we think, what we achieve, what people applaud us for. Paul says, I have no business of trying to please men. Why? Because I'm not here by the will of man. I'm here by the will, the purpose, and for the pleasure of God. How sad that the church is full of people who are no longer convinced that I don't have to make excuses for being here. I don't have to make excuses. For living out my purpose in God. Because no man has hell or heaven to dictate to me how I should live. I live for the audience of the Trinity. And for the pleasure of God. In my mistakes, in my successes, I stand and I fall for him who called me. Paul had that conviction. Are you still there, Saint? And he says these words. He says, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. He says, I live with a conviction that Christ has a promise for me. It's not just one, he's, he's highlighting one. But Peter tells us, Peter says, God has given us great and precious promises. Through which we can be partakers of his nature. These promises elevate us from the limitations that people put on us. Because through these promises we learn that with God I can scale a wall. With God I can face an army. With God nothing is impossible. With God in my weaknesses his strength is perfected in me. I don't have to lament my limitations. I don't have to cry over my inadequacies. I don't have to look down on myself because I am unable. I am aware that not only has he given me promises. But he has sealed me with his Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit. In me. I'm able to make a declaration. Based on a promise that cannot be thwarted. That I can do all things. However impossible. However hateful, However difficult they may seem. But if Christ is my strength. I can do it. And I'll have to do it. Against the voices that say you can't. You are unable. You are disqualified. People like you don't achieve things like that. But there is a promise that overrides the voices of negativity. But if a man, a woman, a child of God has not held To a promise of God. There is a hope for a dog. To catch a rabbit. Than for you to do the things you are hoping to do. Because other things naturally. The odds are stacked against us. That is why we need. A rhema word from God. You need a word that anchors your soul. That I'm like Mount Zion. I'm like a palm tree. I bend as low as I can. But I don't break. Because I have a promise. How sad it is that children of God know so much of nothing that encasts their souls. For the very things are, they are trusting God for. So Paul says, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. There is a legacy here. He says, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I serve God with what? A clear conscience. I want us to go to the book of Acts twenty-four, Paul testifies Acts twenty four verse sixteen it says Acts twenty four verse sixteen. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and men. Another version says, I am always in pains to keep a clear conscience before God and and men. So those who study the words, the etymology of words, how words came by, how they began, know that conscience as a word is the derivative from Latin. We know what does science talk about? Knowledge, right? For those who study, scientia et labor. Knowledge at work. So this one is knowledge, science, or then you have con, with. So conscience basically says, with Knowledge or out of knowledge, right? What is a conscience, therefore? A conscience is our moral compass, our ethical compass, our attitudinal values compass of what is right and wrong based on knowledge. In other words, With knowledge, it is our knowledge reference point of what is right or wrong. Does that make sense? Now, in other words, conscience as an embodiment of knowledge itself. If if conscience was a cup, it would not be a problem in itself. What would be the problem is what fills the cup. Are you still with me? Which means the knowledge that informs your heart of what is wrong or right is where your problem with your conscience is. And so the Bible talks, I wanted to read all these portions of scripture. I'll just read Romans chapter The other ones I won't read. Romans chapter 2, you remember where it speaks about those who will die under the law. I'm reading Romans chapter 2, taking from verse 12. It says, All who sin apart from the law. What is the law? The law is the body of knowledge. Given by God to Israel. To determine what is wrong or right. Are you there? So the conscience of an Israelite. Would be informed. By the knowledge. That comes from the law. Are we still okay? So it says. All who sin apart from the law. Will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law, will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight. But it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Already you get an understanding of how the law of the conscience is going to work. There is a knowledge of what is right and wrong. Based in the context of Israel on the Law. But the knowledge itself does not justify, does not make you right, does not vindicate you until it becomes a choice of obedience of what is right from what is wrong. So it is not good to say, I know that the law says, Thou shalt not murder. The body of, lung, of, of knowledge contained in the law tells you that to kill someone is wrong. Right? To know that does not make you right with God. What makes you right with God is not killing. Because even if you knew and you kill, that knowledge becomes useless because then it serves to judge you. Are you there, said? So now, I want you to, from that point of thinking about your conscience, to realize that all the scriptures you know are irrelevant in so far as a clear conscience is concerned. All the scriptures you know simply tells you that you have the body of knowledge in your conscience to determine for yourself what is right and wrong. And therefore you have placed yourself in a position to be judged fairly by God based on what you know. You are without excuse. Are we still there, sir? So it says here, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Then it comes to us, the Gentiles, or at least who we were. It says, Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature. Did you hear that? Things required by the law, they are a law for themselves even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. So let's, let's get to, quickly into what then... Puts knowledge into our consciences. The Bible says. God's invisible qualities. His attributes. His power. What what God is capable of. And who he is. Is naturally made known to all of us. So according to the Bible. Only a fool can say there is no. God, right? So, in a sense, by implication, being an atheist is being a fool because the evidence of God surrounds you. Right? We won't get into that debate for now. But, here's the point I'm making. Before I am even born again, before I am culturized into any level of culture, the Bible says I know that is why children lie when they have stolen sugar before they are even told it's wrong. Hasha fella the sugar of Hassan. Okay, let me ask you a question. Who has taught your, your child the sinful behavior you see in them? Have you said you see? When you steal something, the natural response is to deny. Is to go to the commission and say, I don't remember. I don't understand. I don't know what you are talking about. No. The law of righteousness and the law of sin are inherently in us from birth. That is why sometimes, even when you were not born again, there was stuff that was happening in your home that you concluded is wrong, even if you did not have the reason. You just know, no, I don't like this thing. Why? I don't like it. Why? I don't have any reason. But my conscience tells me it's not right. Are you there, saints? So there is a natural body of knowledge given to us to determine what is right and wrong. Right? Two. God has given us his word to determine what is right and what is wrong. God has given us his spirit to determine what is right and what is are you there? So if there be people who will have no excuse is us. We have the supreme, the most advanced way of knowing what is wrong and what is right. However, we choose ignorance. We choose Our way, so I want to read through stuff about developing a clear conscience. I was saying earlier on when I deviated, the Bible speaks of types of consciences which I won't come get into today, but then it speaks of a weak conscience. Of a person who stumbles because another person they trust do a, does or do a wrong thing. Hey, if my this has fallen, I'm offended. The Bible says you have a weak conscience. You have a weak conscience when you eat, when you see someone eating meat, and you don't eat meat. You remember it says, don't eat meat when another person finds it sinful, offensive. You, you remember that? It says, for the sake of that person's weak conscience. How many weak pe- pe- conscience people are in the church? I don't go there anymore. Why? Keep on that wine. So? Did you drink it? No. Did they force you to drink it? No. But they were going to get drunk and you get drunk by osmosis too. No. So what's your problem? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a weak conscience. The Bible talks of a good conscience. A good conscience. You understand that one, right? We're talking about a clear conscience. But it talks also about a defiled conscience. A defiled conscience... Pretty much suggests that at one point that conscience would have been clean. I'm not trying to explain them today. Maybe we'll explain them another time. I'm just interested in these two. A clear and a seared conscience. The Bible says there are people in the church and outside the church who have a seared conscience. A seared. Have you ever been bent by an iron? Do you see that le cocco that appears? <laughs> okay, that crust. This, 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 that forms on your skin. Yeah. You know that thing, when you touch it, itself, it doesn't feel painful. But when you... P- underneath that thing is painful. Yeah. But you are not just a le cocco. You are le, you are cocorized on the skin. <laughs> it becomes hard... Right? Yeah. Remove it. Yeah. Have, you, have you tried to remove it? Yeah. Painful, right? Yeah. When they say your conscience is seared, they say the surface, the entrance surface of your conscience where you are supposed to receive and assimilate the truth that sets you free to do right and wrong. That portion of your conscience is hardened. And many of us are just there. Underneath we are soft. I love God. I love God. But when God tries to influence your behavior, he always (laughs) He tries to pour the water of his spirit. He says, today when you hear my voice, do not harden do not see the surface of your conscience God will understand it's hard let me just read these points for developing your conscience and then one day when we have decided to have a longer service we will explore them number one live with the golden rule As a principle, what is the golden rule of the Bible? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you want to have a clear conscience, treat people the way you want them to treat you. Two, esteem integrity more than impression. Integrity, being truthful, being reliable is more important than trying to impress people. And the church is full of performers who try to show something that they are not in the process denying who they are. Strive for integrity. Forget this thing of trying to be what you are not. Number three, have very clear convictions about the highest standards of truth. And seek to live by those standards. Be convinced that God's word is the highest standard of truth. And be convicted and choose to live by that. In other words, don't choose your opinion or other people's opinion. Choose what God says. You know, when you know you have obeyed God, you have peace. Number four, strive to always to see the plank in your own eye. You know, Jesus says, amakat, you want to go and try and remove a speck in someone's eye. So try to always remove the plank. What does the song say? Sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. Once you can see your mistakes, you will find no pleasure in continuously judging other people for theirs. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Galatians says, if we are led by the Spirit, we must keep in step. When you keep in step with the Holy Spirit, you won't be misled, isn't it? For as many as are led, they are the sons of God. Make it a habit not to postpone obedience. That one is a big one for all of us, isn't it? Holy Spirit says, pray for this person in a taxi. Go and tell them what I'm saying. You, I'm not a pastor. How many of you know the guilt... Of postponing what God said you must do. Make it a habit not to postpone obedience. Seven, desperately seek God's glory in your dealings. In your attitude and actions. Instead of fulfillment of your personal ambitions and status. Make it your, your, your pursuit that I want to bring God's glory in this day. Not how does it feel for me. Will it benefit me? Don't be in the tender business with God. <laughs> you see, now these things that we are watching, they, they affect our heads. <laughs> God, you, you want me to do what? To preach. Okay, no problem. What is in it for me? Firstly, you, you belong to him. Even if there was nothing for you, make it about his glory. Number eight, walk in forgiveness. The things you grip in your heart are eating away a clear conscience. Remove grudges, basically. Mind the influence of the world on your inner world. There's the world outside of you, there's the inner world, right? You'll be shocked how many of us, your inner world is not intact. You know why? Because you are always a recipient of the negativity that comes outside. Your heart is not seared. Your heart is nicely permeable. Except that the body of knowledge it receives is not good for your eventual life. I know a lot of people in our church. Agir. Agir they are not here today. If you want to know anything worldly, ask them. Mind the influence of the world on your inner world. Because that body of language, that is why I told you before that I hear people say, hey, what's my man, man, this person man, a the Child of God, how did you get to the point where you are so deceived you even hate ate an actor? Where there is a director? Because they know they have influenced your heart enough that if we they just bring someone with a knife, run away, run away. He's good. Hey, these people are acting. Hey, Mbulale. I'm almost done. You see what they do to you? And then they go around they they, they after they finish the season, they drink. We had a nice season and when I mutual. I hate this kid. You know, she did this 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 to my favorite. Listen, all your favorites are fakes. Yeah. Your body of knowledge about what is right is informed by fakes. Are you there, Saint? Can I finish these two? Okay. Let me read all of them. Live with a healthy view of the repercussions of earthly activities in all eternity. Be aware that your actions count on your eternity. Don't just think I'm doing it when, when I get to God, God would have forgotten. The Bible says we are going to account even for idle words. Number next, meditate on the moment of reckoning. For one day, just imagine yourself on the day of judgment standing before God. What do you think you're going to say? Would you have a clear conscience? You know, that day they won't be sorry Baba God. That day. Imagine yourself on the day. I try to, and I get scared sometimes when I realize the kind of things I'm up to. Hide the word of God in your heart. And finally, sanctify Jesus in your heart. In everything you try to do, try to make it about Jesus. For all things hold together in him. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn amongst all creations. For by him and through him, all things were created, visible and invisible. Whether principalities, powers, and all things hold together in him. He is in all things. And if we can make all things about him our consciences will be clear. The one thing I didn't mention is that, no, I mentioned it. Walk in forgiveness, right? Shall we stand up? Here's a question I have. What is standing between you and Jesus? What makes you what makes your relationship with Jesus look warm? In how you handle your finances, is your conscience clear? Is your conscience clear in your relationship with other people? When I die myself, I don't know about you. I want to know, I want to know, I want to be clear in my heart that I didn't spare myself. In saving Jesus, who did not spare himself in saving me. When you are given an opportunity to fight for the women and oppressed children, are you indifferent? When there is injustices, are you quiet? Your conscience will not be clear. What does James 4, 17 tells us? He who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, he sins. And the fact that we overlook so many things that we should be doing tells us our consciences are not clear. And the fact that we are pulled this side, this side, this side, tells us that we are not settled in God. So this morning, I just want us to take a moment and pray before we close the service. Let's pray for children of God first. Let's pray for ourselves. I have tried to work on a list of the things where I think my conscience is not clear. Is your conscience clear about how you treat your siblings, your biological siblings, your family? Is your conscience clear about the many people you choose not to help because they offended you when you have? Is your conscience clear that you drive five cars and your parents don't even have food? Is your conscience clear that you hate your relatives because they save ancestors? You see, there's a long list, right? There are things I want to make right with God in my conscience. So that I can say, as for me, I am innocent of all men's blood. Those I needed to tell about Christ, I told them. Those who are unlovable, I had to love, I loved. Those that I I had to forgive when they were like, mosquitoes to me every second wah, 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 I forgave them those that I felt they deserve what they got I went and blessed them despite them persecuting me my conscience is what I have not withheld good where it was due when it was in my power to act so won't you take time I'm going to be praying louder I want to take time. Pray for yourself. Make your own mental list of the things you need to clear your conscience around. You know what is the right thing to do. Sleeping around is wrong, but you have found a way to justify it. Your conscience will never be clear before God. You can claim there is now no condemnation. It won't work. Just so you know. There will be condemnation where God is disobeyed. Because the devil will condemn you. And your heart will condemn you. But if you have, if you are clear, you can say, get thee behind Satan. And you can say, my heart, God is greater than you. So Heavenly Father, we want to pray right now in the name of Jesus. We want to pray For those that are here and those that are at home that we may know the power of forgiveness the power of grace the power of love these have been extended to us through the finished work of the cross of Jesus and these were unconditionally given to us who are gathered here who are washed by the blood of Jesus and I want to pray that as people who have received grace, we may learn, Lord, to release grace to others, to love others, to not put conditions for forgiveness, to walk in the integrity of heart, Lord, to be men and women of our weight, who are reliable, who are trustworthy, who are faithful, Lord. To know that in the choices we have made. We are exercising our mature will to do what is right. Because we were trained by your word, by your spirit. The anointing of God that is not fake in us. Is teaching us what is right. We thank you Lord. That somewhere where we had fallen, today we will stand. Where we had deviated from the course, today we will come back to the right route. Where we have justified ourselves for being mean and rude and uncouth. Father, for doing deplorable people against other people, for hating and judging. Where we have justified ourselves to trample underfoot the right and the value and devalue others. Give us the grace to repent. So that we may know. I have not stolen from anyone. Where I had taken what was not mine. I have done restitution. I have reconciled with those I needed to reconcile with. I have forgiven those I needed to forgive, Lord. I have helped those I needed to help. I have mourned with those who mourn. And I I have celebrated with those who celebrated. I have not used double standards in the church. I have not used double standards with my friends. I have not used, I have not put one before the other. I have not shown favoritism. Because the God who has called us is not a respecter of persons, not that. As he show favoritism. And where I have offended without knowledge, Lord, I pray for grace for those who were offended to be healed of that offense and find it in their hearts to forgive. May we all walk in the provision to be partakers of your divine nature. In Jesus' name, Amen.